Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Uh, as always, love being back with you guys uh, and love talking Braves baseball. Uh, we're going to get into it. Guys, I just want to remind you to check me out on YouTube if you are listening. If you are watching, check me out sometime and just listen to me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure to, uh, to subscribe. That really helps me out. And again, as always, I appreciate you guys listening, watching, and supporting the show. So let's go ahead and get into it, guys. It was quite a disappointing three games in Oakland. Uh, last episode, I left off pretty positively thinking this is going to be the start of a Braves turnaround, or at least w where they turn it on a little bit. Uh, just a reminder, you know, the Braves are only half a game back in terms of the best record in the National League, and yet it feels, I'm sure you guys feel it too, that they are not playing up to par right now. And of course, this three-game series against the lowly, lowly A's, uh, losing that series is just a very disappointing way to go. Um, but before we get into all of that, just a couple of notes of Braves news. Of course, uh, we also talked last time about the return of Michael Soroka, uh, very excited for him and just the uh, the long road back that he has taken. Uh, so, number one, just want to congratulate him on getting back to the big leagues. I'm sure uh, if you watched, uh, you could tell it was an emotional return for him. You know, as I was watching him the first inning, uh, particularly when he threw his first strikeout, I think I could tell that he was getting emotional. And just being able to get through that, um, the way he did with all the emotions you know were coursing through him uh, was pretty impressive. So I'm, I'm generally encouraged by Michael Soroka and his return. You know, I told you guys, I wasn't really paying attention too much to the stat line of, of his first start. Uh, you know, you come back from almost being out of the game for three years. Um, I don't know what you could expect from him other than what he gave you. I'm going to dig into that start a little bit here in a bit but again just a huge uh hand clap huge congratulations to michael soroka welcome back to the big leagues welcome back to the braves and i cannot wait for his return to atlanta i i hope he gets a huge ovation from that crowd when he when he does return but he's going to have another start on this road trip before that so it's good for him to be able to get his feet uh you know his feet under him and uh, just feeling like he's back in the big leagues and contributing. Hope, hopefully this start against the Diamondbacks will go even better. Maybe he can get a win. The Braves can win that game, and it will just be another positive turn in the right direction for Soroka. Uh, the other big uh, big bit of Braves news this week was the promotion of top prospect A.J. Smith-Shawver. This, in many ways, I mean, if you said even – a month or two ago that Smith Shaver would be with the Braves. It would be pretty shocking. He started the season in high A Rome. Uh, and, you know, last season for Smith Shaver, he was not, even though everybody could see his talent, uh, he wasn't really getting results. He had about a five ERA in his first full season of minor league ball. He's only 20 years old, and yet he came on, came on this season and has made some really crucial adjustments and have has basically blown everybody away from uh, high A to double A through triple A. He's only had actually a couple of triple A starts and the Braves called on him. Uh, and he is going to serve, even though he's a starter, he's going to serve in the bullpen 
to begin. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Braves use him. They clearly need uh, a dynamic arm in the bullpen, and this is probably of the same, you know, in the same vein of them calling on uh, Michael Harris a little earlier than you might expect, or or, or even Vaughn Grissom, even though that was, uh, you know, had to do more with injury. You call on a talented guy in your minor leagues because simply the big league club needs him. So hopefully he can contribute big time. He did not get into either game in Oakland that he was at. So we'll look for him to make his debut, hopefully at some point in Arizona. All right, guys. So let's talk about this Oakland series. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just saying the Braves looked like they were sleepwalking in Oakland. And in some ways, though I don't like making a lot of excuses uh, for the team, there, there was something to that, and I, I would just say thanks a lot, ESPN. Uh, if you know that the Braves uh, ended their series in Atlanta with an ESPN game, if you know anything about those ESPN games, basically ESPN ha reserves the right to pick whatever Sunday night game they want, um, and it changes that team's um, that team schedule. And so you have the Braves looking at a Monday which is weird to begin with, where you go from a, a game in Atlanta on Sunday, a travel day, all the way to Oakland in which you just travel and then play that same day. That in and of itself is kind of odd with a baseball schedule. Uh, so for that, what usually would have been a 1 o'clock game to get moved to 7 o'clock for Sunday night baseball, then the Braves have to travel all the way across the country to Oakland. Apparently they got in at 3 a.m. in the morning. They played the next day. Uh, at a, a earlier than usual evening game, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. So, you know, just think about it. You get into your hotel room at 3 a.m. Uh, does that mean you're falling asleep immediately at 3 a.m.? No, you know, you got jet lag. Probably some of those guys barely even slept that day. And it just looked like in that first game that they basically were sleepwalking. This was the game that Soroka made his debut. Um, but pretty frustrating that ESPN can wield that amount of power to to really mess up a team's travel schedule and that sort of thing. Again, I don't like uh, making too many excuses. It is a reality, though, and these guys are human, and, and it sure looked like they were basically sleepwalking through that game. Um, nonetheless, across those first two games in Oakland, the bullpen continued to frustrate. In game one, after Soroka's six innings and four earned runs, he comes out of the game, and Lucas Litke uh, continued his poor pitching. He gave up three runs, could not get out of the inning he came into. Again, against Oakland, who, if you look up and down their lineup, there's no one who scares you at all. And it was, it was mostly soft contact, but he could not get out of that inning. Uh, so what was a... I think at the time a four to two game ends up being a seven to two game, and uh, the Braves just never mounted anything in that game. In game two, uh, still the offense was not doing much. Uh, it was a one to one game going into the ninth. Uh, Rizel Iglesias comes in and uncharacteristically had a really bad ninth inning. Could not find the plate. He walks the bases loaded, and then unfortunately Austin Riley committed an error that. You know, if he fielded it cleanly, he could have come home and, um, you know, potentially gotten out of that inning. But it doesn't happen. It's a walk-off error uh, to allow Oakland to win that game 2-1. to one. So, yeah, game one and game two just, uh, you know, not up to par of what the Braves should do. I mean, this is a team that at worst should walk into Oakland and take two out of three 
uh, without too much trouble, if not sweep. And they didn't do that. Um, you know, there were a couple positives uh, to take away from the Oakland series. Mentor, I think, is starting to look better. He had a couple outings and looked solid. Um, and, you know, obviously Soroka, I think the the starting rotation is also looking good. I'll, I'll get into that in just a second. But, but the offense also remains inconsistent. And you guys know uh, my some of my frustrations with the offense is just, I, I think that's the word, inconsistent. And I think you get that when you are such a power-heavy team. And I don't know that that's going to change anytime soon. I do think there are adjustments that some of these hitters can make towards uh, getting more consistent uh, personally. And then if they can do that, then the offense as a whole is going to get better and better. And maybe that's what's going to happen as the season goes on. Uh, but it's not there right now. You know, three runs, the Braves scored three runs in the first two games against the Athletics. Uh, and this is while, you know, again, guys, it should not be understated how bad, I mean, historically bad Oakland is. It, they might end up with the worst record in the modern baseball era, not even getting to 40 wins. I mean, that is very possible. I think right now they are on target for about 36 wins. Um, and that's after they beat, uh, beat the Braves twice in a row. Uh, they have a team ERA, guys, of 6.63. And a total team pitching war of negative four. And yet the Braves could only manage three runs in the first two games. To me, that's saying it's not as much of what Oakland was doing. It's not like they were throwing, you know, just dominant pitchers out there. Um, you know, the first game, it was a guy coming, he's probably their best pitcher, but coming directly off of the injury list. Um, it is, it, I don't know, it, it just was. Uh, difficult to watch. It seemed like they had quite a few opportunities that they let let go. Uh, a lot of guys who it seemed like, again, going for the home run in a very non-home run friendly ballpark. Uh, you go out to Oakland, it's cooler. The ball's not traveling as much. Um, and we were just kind of swinging for the fences. So, you know, again, it's just pretty frustrating to watch when you play a team that you know you should be dominating and it kind of goes in the other direction. Now, that being said, sometimes that's baseball. It, it's almost you're almost not surprised when a matchup looks so one-sided, and then you end up losing. Uh, it, it does happen a good bit in baseball. And I will also say that the Braves did hit into a lot of bad luck. You had multiple balls, especially in that first game. Michael Harris hit one, I think, 113 miles an hour. Uh, guy caught it. Uh, Acuna, same thing, 116 off the bat. It goes right to the guy in the outfield. They had a lot of hard-hit balls that were not finding the grass, and then Oakland was soft-hitting them to death. Uh, a lot of uh, bunts. You know, they, they took the extra base, playing small ball, and it seemed to frustrate the Braves, and they weren't able to do what they needed to do. Very fortunately, the Braves did take the last game of the series. It also did not feel like a very well-played game, but Ozzie Albies hit a two-run two home run that barely cleared the fence. Thank goodness it did. Braves are able to squeak squeak across four runs in that game, and they went at four to two. So at least, I mean, good grief, if you got swept by the, by the A's, 
that would be next level bad. So thankfully that did not happen. And the Braves now are going to go up against the Diamondbacks in this next series after a much needed day off. Uh, it was reported that a lot of the guys were planning on playing golf. Maybe that's what it was, right? A very difficult May. We've talked about that. The Braves had just this gauntlet with very few days off in May. Um, and on top of that road trip, maybe they were just wiped and they needed a day to rest, to recuperate. And hey, what what better way to clean the slate mentally than go out and play around the golf? So hopefully a lot of them did that. They cleared their head and they're going to be much more ready to go against the Diamondbacks, which is obviously going to be a, a way more difficult opponent. You know, I mentioned one of the other positive things I'm taking away from this Oakland series, and that's the starting rotation. Um, guys, this is not the problem. The starting rotation, even though we're going through the, the injuries of Freed and Wright, that is not the problem with the Braves. Um, a lot of statistics say the Braves have one of the best starting staffs in all of baseball. I believe they lead the league in ERA uh, for, for starters. And Soroka's debut, you know, I mentioned this, it's that much more of an encouraging thing that he was able to go six innings. Uh, the fact is, he came out of the game with 83 pitches. He really could have gone an extra inning if Snicker wanted to push him. I totally understand him not wanting to push him. Uh, in his very first start back. Uh, in the end, maybe he should have, and the Braves could have won that game because it was the seventh inning that really started to get away from the Braves when Litke came in. Uh, but Soroka, you know, again, his line doesn't look super great. Six innings, four earned runs. Um, and, you know, he wasn't totally sharp yet. He hit a couple guys, uh, but he really only had one bad inning and about 10-pitch stretch in which things got away from him. Um, he give he had just given up uh, the first run of the game on a single, and then I think the very next pitch uh, was hit for a three-run homer on a changeup, but it was a changeup at the knees. It wasn't like he just hung it in the middle of the plate. Um, the guy, you know, put a good swing on it, and you you give give him credit for that. You don't see a lot of power from the A's, uh, so I don't know if you can call it unlucky. The guy the guy made a good swing. It was just one of those things, but. Again, generally very encouraging for Soroka to be so efficient. This is kind of what we know him to be, right? It's not like Soroka came up looking like a totally different pitcher. I was wondering that just because he's he's had to change his delivery and the way he lands off the mound. Uh, and there there's some slight differences. He does look he's doesn't look quite as over the top, um, and he definitely lands a little differently. But most of his stuff looked pretty good. Um, maybe his fastball was was one or two miles per hour uh, slower. I don't know if that over time will pick up. It probably will. Uh, but but generally speaking, very encouraging stuff from Soroka. I think we can hope for a better and better version of him as he goes. Uh, Elder is just continuing to pitch great. Again, you're not pitching against a great offense, but he went seven and a third innings. I think that was his longest outing of the year. Just gave up one earned run. And he, guys, Elder is now the league ERA leader, uh, under two ERA, just he has been, you know, I've mentioned him quite a few times and he deserves to continue to get mentioned. He is really carrying a lot of the load for the Braves right now. And then, um, however, I will mention this, you know, Elder is only three and oh, he leads the league in ERA. And yet I think he also leads the league in no decisions. Uh, again, that is indicative of a bullpen that is not 
holding leads very well for the guy. I think the Braves have won most of his starts, but um, you know he's he's going five, six, seven innings every time out and leaving with the lead more often than not. So it's one of those things where you can't judge him by his wins and losses. He is doing a great job. And then Schuster comes in in that uh, last game. You know he, I'll say he remains okay. Uh, he's not blowing anybody away. I think this was one of his weaker starts since he's come back. Maybe his weakest start since he's come back from AAA. And that's mostly because of the walks. He wasn't in the strike zone as much. Four walks in this start. He only went five and a third innings. Uh, it seemed like at one point he was going to go deep in the game. And then that sixth inning got kind of got away from him. So, look, I, you know, I don't want to be too hard on the guy. If he really is basically your fifth starter, that kind of outing is okay. I don't think against better teams he's going to get away with four walks. I think it's going to get much worse for him uh, if he stays in that range. So hopefully he can get back into pounding the strike zone and being a little more aggressive in the strike zone. You know, I also mentioned the the other big news of the week is the Braves calling up A.J. Smith-Shawver. I'm really excited about this. Um, I do appreciate how aggressive the Braves can be with really talented prospects. Uh, it makes you a little nervous, right, because – uh, you don't know if the guy is truly ready. If you know, does is more development needed in the minors before you put him into these big pressure pack situations in the big leagues? But it's pretty cool for the guy. And you guys know one of the things I've mentioned is the Braves needing not just a good reliever, but a reliever that is dynamic, somebody who can blow people away. You know, big fastball, big big slider, strikeout guy, and that's what AJ Smith Shaver is. So I, I think that if he was a different style of pitcher, I wonder if the Braves would have made this call, you know, but they are going to put him in the bullpen for now, even though he's a starter. Uh, and just a little bit about A.J. smith Shoffer. okay? Uh, 2021 uh, seventh round pick, but he was given money that was more like a third round pick. So the Braves really threw some money at him to be able to sign him. Uh, he's out of Texas. He came out of high school. So again, he's he's young. He's only 20 years old. Uh, he's only thrown 110 minor league innings. So that's not much. Um, and yet the Braves are calling on him right now because of his talent. 95 mile an hour fastball. He can get it up more than that, but that's kind of his average fastball. Really sharp slider. His curveball is his third pitch, which is getting better and better. Um, so there are there are days where his slider isn't working as well, but he'll go to that curveball and he can still be effective with that. So that's really good for him to have. Last year, you would say this guy is a raw prospect. Uh, I mentioned he had about a five ERA uh, in his first full season of minor leagues, very raw. And, you know, he has made huge gains this year. And that tells you something. It tells you he's coachable. He's taken a lot of what the Braves uh, coaches have told him to do, and he's put it in play. And uh, it's been very effective for him. So that is encouraging, this this huge, really quick rise for him. Uh, and you just wonder, okay, now what's going to happen when he hits his first few bumps in the road? Every prospect goes through that. Um, but as we know, the Braves need help in the bullpen, and I think he's going to provide a shot in the arm. Is he quite on the level of a strider? You know, we saw strider start in the bullpen as well. No, we can't put that on him. Strider's a pretty unique animal, uh, but you could see Shawver doing, Smith Shawver doing some of those special things too, and just that shot in the arm that the bullpen clearly needs. 
Um, this is the freed strider blueprint, right? Not every starter will jump directly into the starting rotation for the Braves. I think it's a way to get um, a prospect up a little quicker, get him major league action. And more than likely, I would say Smith Shaver is going to be in the bullpen this year. Uh, and then maybe next year we see what happens. But he's clearly a starter long term. The Braves certainly need him in the bullpen right now. And golly, you know, to get him up here, they they basically dropped Lucas Litke. He's been the worst um, the worst bullpen guy for the Braves this year. The guy has a 10 ERA in nine appearances. So they designated him for assignment. He's likely out with the Braves. Remember, they got Litke from the Yankees. The Yankees DFA'd him, which was a little head-scratching because he'd been good for the Yankees for the last two years. But he just obviously did not have it, and the Yankees must have known something that the Braves hadn't figured out yet. The Braves figured it out now. So he is moving on, um, and they trade that lefty arm that was not very effective for a young uh, 20-year-old prospect righty who hopefully will start punching people out coming out of the bullpen. All right, guys. Well, look, let's, let's go ahead and preview uh, the Braves and this upcoming series with the Diamondbacks. It's a really good showdown. You know, the Braves are coming into this not playing their best baseball by any means. And the Diamondbacks are coming in maybe playing their best baseball of the season. Very similar records. The Braves are 33 and 23. The Diamondbacks are 34 and 23. They are tied with the Dodgers for the best record in the National League. So it's a good challenge for the Braves. Uh, it had to be hard. Not only, uh, you know, those, those challenges of playing in Oakland coming off of that long road trip and no rest, but you also show up and you're playing in front of about 6,000 fans, right? So just no energy. I'm sure it will be a very different environment for the Braves uh, in this one, and hopefully they are much better rested and ready to go. Uh, just a couple of things to uh, be able to um, compare these two teams. Uh, the run differential. So the Braves are at a plus 58 run differential for the year right now. The Diamondbacks are only at a plus 24. Um, you know, what does that mean? I mean, it doesn't mean much in terms of the record. Obviously, the Diamondbacks have been able to figure out uh, how to use those runs a little more effectively. I, you know, the Braves is just funny. It seems like when they lose, they lose by a run. And when they win, they win by five. And uh, it's just been a little uneven. But um, nonetheless, run differential typically is a good gauge of how, how good a team is. It doesn't always break down perfectly like that. Uh, but anyways, the Braves do have the edge in that area. In terms of pitching, Team ERA, of course, is one way to gauge that. The Braves are fourth in all of baseball in Team ERA, and the Diamondbacks are 17th. So Diamondbacks, middle of the road. I think what you'll find with the Diamondbacks is they have a couple of really good starters. Uh, the rest of their pitching staff is middle of the road or maybe a little worse than that. Uh, but the Braves are going to hit two of their better pitchers in this series, so it's gonna, still going to be a pretty big challenge for them. Uh, in terms of runs, um, runs scored this season, the Braves are sixth in baseball. The Diamondbacks are fifth. So they are very, very similar offensively. Um, the Braves, you would say the back of their baseball card uh, for each of those guys is a little more proven, a little better. But the Diamondbacks are hitting. They're a young team, but they are hitting right now. Um, you know, the other thing I would say with, um, with the Diamondbacks, they had a pretty easy um, schedule in the month of May. Uh, not many really tough teams. I think they played the Rangers, but other than that, not a lot of really tough teams 
did they go up against in May, where, of course, we know the Braves went through a gauntlet of, of really good teams. So they're coming in basically with the same record. Uh, and the Diamondbacks might be feeling a little better about themselves. They won five in a row. Uh, their last game was a walk-off win. Uh, Corbin Carroll gets a, a game-winning hit for them. So they're definitely feeling good uh, about themselves right now. The Braves, kind of opposite, are, are not swinging on all cylinders. But again, the Braves have gone through a gauntlet of a, uh, of a run. Hopefully they can come in and, and win this series and turn things around, at least emotionally and mentally, start getting back on the right track. Um, you know, the Diamondbacks are a very good team. I, I don't want to downplay how good they are, even though they haven't had as tough as uh, tough of a schedule lately. They're a talented young roster. Corbin Carroll is the leading Rookie of the Year candidate. Uh, he's really showing out. Uh, Zach Gallen, who the Braves will, will see in the third game of this series, is the leading Cy Young candidate. Uh, most people think he's number one and Strider's number two right now. And then, you know, they got some other good players. Uh, Ludris Goriel uh, is kind of a surprise guy for the first half of the season with them. Uh, he's hitting over 300, nine home runs. You know, they've got some other really talented guys. I'm not going to go through their whole lineup, but they have a really solid lineup. Obviously, if they are, um, if they've scored a few more runs than the Braves, they've got a good offense, and uh, the Braves pitching is going to have to show up in this series. So game one uh, is Charlie Morton versus Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly's a really solid pitcher that has given the Braves some trouble in the past. He has an ERA under three. Uh, and if you look down the lineup, there's only a couple Braves who've had success against him. Uh, Acuna and Riley have hit him pretty well whereas most of the rest of the team has either not faced him or have, has not done much against Merrill Kelly. Uh, game two is, is Spencer Strider versus Ryan Nelson. This is the game that, at least on paper, sets up the best for the Braves. Of course, Strider has an ERA just under three. Ryan Nelson has an ERA over five. So on paper, we've had a lot of those this year, though, where it seems like on paper the Braves – uh, have an advantage and lose, and vice versa. Sometimes it goes the other way, too, and the Braves will win the games you, you maybe don't expect with the pitching matchup. And then game three, Michael Soroka returns for his second start, and this is a tough one because he goes against Zach Gallen, again, the, the guy who has, is probably the leading Cy Young candidate in the National League. So that one will be, man, it's a challenge for Soroka, but if he comes out and pitches well and beats Gallon, that would be an awesome thing uh, as the Braves will begin uh, their return to Atlanta soon. Uh, so guys, that is the, uh, you know, the general, the, the general challenge that the Braves have is uh, turning things around mentally and emotionally off of a really tough three-game disappointing series against the A's. Hopefully they can do it in, in years past, when things have really gone downhill like that, the Braves tend to play well, and uh, I'm hoping that that's going to happen. Hopefully, Snicker has them ready to go, and that day off really played dividends for the Braves. So, will the Braves continue to play uninspired baseball, which they basically have done as of late, or is this the time when they turn it on? Remember, um, I'm not looking real good so far. My last episode, I thought the Braves, you know, with the series in Oakland, it was going to be the start of them really turning things on. It didn't happen in Oakland, but maybe maybe the calendar just needed to flip to June. So let's hope that June is the month that the Braves really put the pedal to the metal and just put most of the National League in their rearview 
rearview mirror. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining me once again for State of the Braves. I'm hoping for a good week for the Braves, and uh, I will see you guys soon.